In these last days, the Bible predicts a turning away from biblical truth. In order to combat false teachings that are running rampant and a growing lack of biblical literacy, Behold Israel provides weekly public readings of Scripture to equip you with the pure Word of God, read in an international community with interaction and application. Each week, we host different guests from all walks of life. Our original readings can be found on our Behold Israel community channel on YouTube or on our Facebook channel. These are audio versions created to make it convenient for your busy schedule. Now, on to our readings. Shalom to all of you. It's good to be back. This is Pastor Mike Golay going solo on our public reading of Scripture, which stands for PRS. That's our acronym that we use. It's a lost art in the church of where people sit back and just listen to the Word of God, apply it, and find that God is faithful. So I want to welcome you all. Uh, Mir and I just got back a few days ago from our speaking tour. For me, it lasted about a month and a half. And with a break in Israel where we did some prayer, had meetings, and we're excited to roll out a media uh, communications uh, center there. It's called BI Connect. And more on that later. But we are in the middle of Joshua. Uh, before we begin, I just wanted to say thank you for all of you for following us. And if you believe in these public readings of scripture that we do, share them with one person. Right now, click the share button, share it with one person so they too can interact with the Word of God. Tonight is a very special PRS. I'm going to open up the chat between each of the sections that we're going to be reading. We're going to read a section from Joshua and a section from 1 Peter. And I'm going to be asking you to interact. I'm going to put all of your comments up on the screen. And I want to interact with each of you as much as possible. So you are the guests for the evening. So let's jump straight in. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 9, right where we left off last week. And let's pray. Lord, bless your word now. Allow each one of us to see what it means for us, Lord, right where we're at in our life, that we can apply it and experience your wisdom and your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 9. Let's get started. And these are the Israelites in the land after they conquered Jericho and they had that incident at Ai with uh, holding the items they were supposed to destroy. And they had to pay the price, but the victory was there. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowland and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. They gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. So that's one of the first coalitions of what you'd call ancient terrorism, I guess. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jer Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wine skids torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. Boy, they really staged this one, didn't they? And when they went to Joshua to camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come. 
because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants, now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy, and these wise-skids, which we filled were new and see they are torn and these old garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey they're pretty good con artists huh then the men of israel took some of their provisions but they did not ask counsel of the lord hmm. so joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them <sighs> And it happened at the day, end of the three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. The pin drops. They were fooled. You ever been fooled? Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Cherif Ara, Beirot, and Kiryat Jearim. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Oh, man. Not a good start, folks. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, Why have you deceived us saying, We are very far, far away from you when you, dwell, when, when you dwell near us. Now therefore you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, because your servants were clearly told that the Lord, your God, commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land. They knew. And to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. So he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. Now, I would love to hear your comments in the chat because we're going to read the, uh, the next chapter, chapter 10 right now. But, I mean, what would you do? Would you have been fooled? Can you give a modern day example of this? It's a form of deception and they were commanded to destroy all of the inhabitants of the land. I mean, isn't, isn't it kind of the right thing to show mercy? Which is more important, obedience or mercy in this case? I'm just asking, you know, because I'm going to open up the chat after this chapter 10. Let's go now to chapter 10. Now it came to pass when Adonai Tzedek, which in Hebrew means the Lord of Righteousness, Adonai, which means my Lord. Tzedek means righteousness. King of Jerusalem 
heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they greatly feared, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Tzedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Hiram, king of Jarmut, Yaphia, king of Lachish, and Dabir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, and the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. We need some help! So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Bet-Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. And it happened, as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Bet-Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones then the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on that day, when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ejelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Natural disasters and cosmological miracles God is that powerful. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the, the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. I just, I would have loved to go in a time machine back then and see how big were the hailstones. It must have been an absolute disaster. Must have been bodies everywhere. Horrible. But we see that God means business. <sighs> but these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a, in a cave at Makedah. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Makedah. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities, and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Mekedah in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. 
Imagine how those <laughs> imagine how those kings were feeling right now. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do all to all your enemies against whom you fight. Does that remind you of the first chapter, Be Strong and Courageous? There it is. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at that time, at the time of the going down of the sun, that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what you think about all this, folks. This is uh, brutality in the extreme. Same God as we worship today. But what is the key to understand this? Make sure you write that down in the chat room, because I'm going to be drawn for that from you guys uh, in a minute. On that day, Joshua took Mechadah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Mechadah as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Mechadah and all Israel with him to Libna, and they fought against Libna. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it, and all the people were, who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish. And they camped against it, fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hands of Israel, uh, into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day and struck it, and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that had been done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until he left him none remaining. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. They took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were, with, were in it, he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he had done to Lachish. Victory after victory. And that's only possible because Joshua had courage and perseverance, and he followed the Lord. So Joshua went up to Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword, its king, all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining according to all that he had done, all had done, done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir, and they fought against it. And he took it and its kings and all its cities and struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Debir and its king, as he had done also to Libna and its king. <sighs> so Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country in the south, and the lowland, and the wild wilderness slopes, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. There's a key verse. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea, as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. 
And he still fights for Israel, people. He still fights for Israel. Israel is a permanent fixture in the Middle East. Even though the tribulation period, the world will try to literally destroy them. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. All right, chat time. We're going to open up the chat. Let's see what we got tonight. All right, let me put a nice graphic there behind us. And there we go. All right. Chat time. Okay. Um, let's capture some of your thoughts here. Linda. I wonder how many of these kings still had Nephilim genes in them. Good question. Kim, when we seek God daily and have that relationship, we know. Uh, wow, they're moving really fast. Let me try to select a few and I'll comment. Feed on the necks of, of evil kings. Jesus ain't a whip or fooling around, Laura Lee. So let's remain full of fear of the Lord, a good kind of fear. You know, though that tactic, Laura Lee, uh, is very controversial in today's world. If you know what I mean. Uh, but th these guys were evil. They were utterly evil. They had given their souls literally to demonic forces and it was so reprobate, the culture in Canaan. You can read about Canaan and some of their writings and ancient history. They were regularly sacrificing their children to their gods. Can you imagine having a child and a baby and sacrificing it on a fire altar just so that you have the false promises of fake gods to give you agricultural wealth? Um, to, obey, to obey is better than sacrifice, Michelle. Yeah, I've been uh, getting your messages on Messenger too. It's good to see you on the on the broadcast tonight. You really need to stay in the in the Word, Lydia, Linda says, because if you don't, you'll be deceived too. Deception is the same now as it was then. Oh, so true. D. H. Perry, obedience is paramount, even when we can't see the scope of God's plan. And uh, Becky. I wonder what would happen if all of Israel would listen to now, if only they would hear. I wish they would. Paul struggled with that in the book of Romans. He wished that they they would too. He was willing to even have himself be accursed for their sake. Um, how about a few more? Tammy Baumgartner, how can we ask God to do mighty things in today? Unexplainable things. Well, Tammy, that's everybody's challenge. That's everybody's prayer seeing everything deteriorate and seeing the prophecies become fulfilled of lawlessness and apostasy. It's not easy to watch. Globalism coming together, the love of man, the celebration of sexual confusion, it's all just... We know that it's time to stand fast and be faithful. All right. Um, Linda, people don't believe God will judge, but he did in the past and he is unchanging. Oh, absolutely. In fact, we're awaiting, we're awaiting the judgment at the end of the trans, trans uh, the, uh, the tribulation period, and then the final judgment at the end of the millennium. So that's the big one. He is a God of justice. Well, I really see that you all are responding to my plea to give feedback. So I'm going to let that run and then we're going to go on over to 1 Peter, and we are going to go straight to chapter 3. And after tonight, 
we are going to be over halfway through first Peter. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. First Peter chapter three. I like the uh, comments. Melody Phillips. I got to read yours. I heard at the beginning, the deception came into camp because they did not inquire of the Lord. You caught that. That's a good, that's a good clue of disaster. It always starts with not going to God when we have to make our decisions, doesn't it? All right. All right, wives, listen up. This is for you. I'm going to read this shamelessly. A lot of pastors shy away from this and they become, you know, soft. Hey, husbands, uh, we'll get to you in a minute. Wives come up first. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, I'll close that chat, they without, without a word may be won by the contact of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Notice that it doesn't condemn jewelry and looking nice. It just focuses on the inside. Do you ever notice that if you're beautiful inside and you have peace inside and you have a clear calling inside and you have that relationship with God inside, you inevitably look good outside. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. All right, men. You ready? Here you go. You thought this was only about the wives? Oh, no, 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 no. Watch this. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Give honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. We can hinder prayers by not being good husbands? Mm-hmm. You ever experienced that, where you pray and God hinders your prayer because your life is a mess and you're not loving your wife the way you should? I know that I can relate to that. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For, quote, who would love life and see good days? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Unquote. Hmm. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good contact in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better 
if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Don't you think we suffer for a lot of our stupidity and our own bad mistakes and our own bad attitudes and our reactions to situations flying off of a handle and having to do relational cleanup? If we do suffer, it should be for righteousness' sake, not for foolishness' sake. Think about it. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. A good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him, he is the boss of all the spirit world, and they know it. All right, chapter 4, and then I would love to hear your comments of what the Lord is doing in your hearts. I was hit by at least five application points so far. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we were walked, when we walked in lewdness and lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, they were pretty bad back then. <laughs> Are we any better? In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And there's that ju judgment again. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, or those who are dead. They might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to the Spirit, God and the Spirit. Okay, are you ready for this section? But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Are you a watchman? Are you a watchwoman? And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Above all things. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to open up the chat early just so we can get that queued up. Here's the last section. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't we, we always think it's strange when we go through difficulties and tribulation, but it's not. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ, of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, 
or as a busybody in other people's matters. A meddler. That's just stupid to suffer for that for our sins. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. All right, Brian, fire brings purity. Yep. Trials have a tendency to bring us close to God or make us run away and find other coping mechanisms. But those who run to God inevitably become more pure. Oh, Linda, basically don't waste time suffering because of stupidity. Yeah. Lorianne, agape love for one another is a lot harder to do for people like our leaders. Praying, <laughs> praying for your president and my prime minister is hard. Oh, yeah, I know. Gina Marie, good to see you. Don't think trials are strange, although painful for some reason. They get you closer to Jesus. And you can say that, Gina Marie, above all people I know. Uh, Tina, I, I saw your comment, gold refined. Fervent love for each other, Laura Lee. Wow, you guys are pouring in with the comments now. Peggy, be a virtuous wife. And I'm glad to hear it from a woman. God's beauty within shines brighter than one physical beauty and deceitful heart. Oh, yes. As a man... It's the attraction of the soul. And as we all age, it's that respect and that trust built and all those values. That's attractive to a man, ladies. We find that in our spouse. Don't be fooled by outward appearances. It won't last anyway. Rebecca, as sin and immorality increase, O oh Lord, keep us faithful to you and testify of your saving grace. Don't you just love this chat tonight, guys? I feel like I'm in everybody's... I feel like we're in this big living room right now with 340 people between the platforms. It's like we're in the, we're in the Behold Israel PRS living room. Um, Amy, uh, sometimes trials in his form of blessing like what Job... Yes, trials... Are blessings in disguise. It's like what James says, consider it pure joy when you pass trials of all kinds, knowing that it creates maturity at the end of the equation. All right, Tammy, how do we follow leaders as told in God's word when it's against our beliefs? Well, we obey up to the point where there's no room for compromise, and then we do the right thing, and then we face the consequences and submit to the law, like it says in Romans 13. A lot of us are doing that already, and it's going to get worse. But we have the winning edge, and we know how this story ends. We're betting our soul on the truth rather than on the changing culture, which is like nailing jello to the wall. Changes every month all around the world. Oh, Peggy, hey, it's attractive to Almighty God and those men who seek him. Yeah. I'm glad you think so. Louise, the Lord chastens those he... Oh, I missed your comment there. 
Look at these comments. Just read them. C.G. Jones, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, me too. Deborah, Debbie Nash, you never know how many people. Oh, well, hopefully you're reading these. Look at this. There you go, Christine, James 1.12. Mm -hmm. Above all, we need to be sober-minded, Gerda de la Guerra. Sober-minded, thinking straight, seeing what's real, discerning the times. That's Watchman. Linda's been without power for six days. 100 mile, 100 mile uh, hour straight winds. Looks like a war zone. Sounds like you're going through a trial. <clears throat> All right, Brian. A few more. Let's just do a few more. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not as the world and society changes. I'm glad you agree. I'm really glad you agree. I love this too, Michelle. This is great. So uh, here, let's do, let's do a few more. Uh, Suzanne, now is the time to be serious and watchful in our prayers, now more than ever. I mean, we are in the last days. We have all the signs that anyone could possibly ask for. I mean, come on, what, how many more signs do you want? You know, share this with people. Um, you see, people are even interacting, replying. That's great. Judgment or reward, Kim. Wow, that's a profound thought. Beam a seat, where we're evaluated for us as believers, how we were stewards of our spiritual gifts and earn awards, or be condemned to hell. There is a hell. We're not a ministry that skirts the issue. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is a hell. It's called the lake of fire. It's very serious stuff. You know, I'm going to end with Carrie Panarella's quote from Galatians 6.9. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap a harvest. That is the perfect verse to end. Thank you, Carrie. Michelle can't wait to meet all of us face to face. I just, I, I just can't stop. Somebody stop me. <laughs> um, and I will always keep praising him. Okay, yeah, they're really pouring in now. So you were the guests. You were the guests tonight. I've missed you guys a lot, and uh, that's why I thought instead of just doing uh, a PRS with Amir and um, having a strict reading, as we've had multiple guests over the last few weeks, I really wanted to get to know some of you a little bit more. I really feel this affinity, a camaraderie in these last days, and it's an honor to be right here on this video reading these scriptures and watching your comments that actually do impact my mind and my heart. I actually remember these comments, and I know some of you do too. And so with that, let's close in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you. And every viewer that's watching this, we pray that you'd fill us with your wisdom and the grit, the perseverance to continue in this life that we live, submitting to you, bringing all of our cares and concerns to you, obeying you, just like Joshua, and just taking the heed, heeding wisdom of Peter. Bring us back next week as we continue to hear your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's one of those nights where I don't want to say goodbye, but I will. I love all of you very much.
And it's very comforting to know that there's people out there that have the same heart. We are one and we have to persevere till the end, folks. So until next week, we'll see you later.